This morning, we're going to begin looking at the miracle at Cana in Galilee. And this particular account in the life of Jesus our Lord is just a microcosm once you start looking at it at the entire Bible. It's another one of those passages where so much in the Old Testament and the New Testament feeds into it and just springs forth from it. And so as I started preparing my uh, message for today, I saw I had at least three messages just from this one passage. So y'all are going to have this passage memorized by the time we get through looking at it. But it's just uh, incredible all that you see there once you start looking. Now, today I want us to look where it says in John 2.11, this is the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Because of what they saw happened, they believed and put their faith in him. It was an imperfect faith, as we see, as we look on. They had a lot of growing to do, just as we all do. But that's what caused them to start to really put their faith in him. Now, this is his first miracle, and he performed it at a wedding feast. And I think that's important. It's significant. One of the things that we can conclude right off is that Jesus liked weddings, that Jesus uh, likes marriage, and he likes families. And we're going to look at this more through the next several weeks. But the thing is, marriage is important to him. I think that's one of the reasons why he chose and went ahead and performed his first miracle in that particular setting, because both marriage and family are very important to Jesus. And why should that surprise us? Since Jesus is God, he's the one who started families, isn't he? Now, the thing is, we see this start in the book of Genesis, and there we see God creating everything at the very beginning. And he would stop at each point and say, this is good. This is good. This is good. And then he created man and he stepped back and he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And then he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And from his side, he took a rib. And from that, he fashioned Eve. And then whenever Adam was awake, he presented Eve to Adam and Adam to Eve. And at that point in time, he created the first family. And he's been doing that ever since, hasn't he? Uh, whenever uh, kids, whenever I'm standing before a couple of people, not just kids, that are getting married, I, I try to remind them of this. 
And that is that God created Adam and Eve and he entrusted them to each other. He loved each one of them deeply and he entrusted them to each other. And and in families, the family that you were put in, the family you grew up in, God entrusted you. God has entrusted Oakland to her mom and her dad. And uh, and so uh, he entrusts people to people. The thing is, whenever we are following the Lord, we're going to want to embrace the responsibility of that trust, be it for our kids or for our spouse. And so I go ahead and, uh, uh, well, anyway, there are two stories connected with this. I just can't get past this without telling you about the present, about Adam and Eve and God getting things started. And uh, one is that whenever uh, God presented Eve to Adam, Adam was just aghast. And he said, God, she's, she's so beautiful. Why did you make her so beautiful? And God said, so you would love her, Adam. And then he got up closer and he touched her shoulder. He said, God, she's so soft. Why'd you make her so soft? And he said, so that you would love her, Adam. And then he sniffed her hair. He said, God, she smelled so good. Why did you make her smell so good? So you'd love her, Adam. And then Eve opened her mouth and she spoke. And he said, God, she's so dumb. Why'd you make her so dumb? So she'd love you, Adam. Now, this is, uh, I want to be all inclusive in this, so I've got to tell another story. And that is that uh, whenever God finished making Adam, he stepped back, he said, nah, I can do better than that. And then he created Eve. So uh, anyway, those, you know, those stories aren't true. They're just having fun with stuff. But uh, the thing is, God entrusted Eve to Adam and Adam to Eve in order to bless them through their family, through their marriage. And he created that first family. And it is God who brings men and women together and to the point of marriage. And many times, as I've mentioned, I I bring this up when I'm conducting a marriage ceremony. You may, uh, and I'll tell them, you may think that you just found each other. You may think that uh, you're just lucky. But let me tell you, it is God who is bringing you together at this time. He is entrusting you to each other. Now, the thing is that uh, whenever it is you're standing here, he's saying, John, this is Mary and she is the apple of my eye. I love her deeply. I want to bless her with every good thing. And there's some things that I cannot provide for her by myself. And I need your help. Will you help me to bless Mary? And the guys always say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And so then I say, and Mary, 
the Lord is saying to you this day, this is John. He's a good old boy. And I really like him a lot. In fact, I love him more deeply than you could ever and he could ever fathom. And I want to help him have the best possible life that he can have. But there's some things I cannot provide for him by myself that he needs. And so will you help me to help John have the best possible life that he can have? And she always agrees to, of course, at that point in time. The thing is, God brings people together to bless them. And if we will follow his word and endeavor to live our lives with each other the way that he wants us to, our marriages will be good. Now then, the sad thing is, is that not lots of times people don't do that. They have bought into some sort of a thing from the world that uh, does that precludes uh, getting through tough spots even. But the thing is, I'm a firm believer that if both parties are willing to work at it, a marriage will work. But it takes both parties working at it. It can't be a one-sided thing. You can try and the Lord will use you as a witness to the other as you're trying, and they're not a lot of times. But the thing is, is that I've learned, I used to say, I used to try to tell people never get divorced. But that's before I had women giving me accounts of them trying not to get divorced, having to hide in their car with the door locked to keep their husband from stabbing them or beating them anymore, or having to climb out their window as their uh, husband was breaking the the door down because she knew he was going to beat the tar out of her. And so I know there are times, like I say, if both parties aren't working at it, you can wind up in a bad spot. And so again, that's why you need to seek the Lord before you seek a mate so that you'll find the right one because he has the right person for you. If he has anybody at all for you, let's face it that whenever the church began, people were encouraged to remain single. Uh, in fact, I read a book, it's out of print now, called One is a Whole Number. And uh, in the early church, they encouraged people to stay single so they could serve the Lord. Now then, you're looked on as being uh, somebody that has something wrong with them if you're not married. And people are going to matchmake and try to set you up and all sorts of things if you're single when you need to be just concentrating on being the Lord's right now. And uh, if he, anyway, I'm going to let that go with that. But and there's another uh, aspect to this. You know, God started this stuff. He wants to help you in it. And we see that uh, a catastrophe was averted because the Lord was present. It's always good to invite the Lord to what you're doing. You know, uh, no matter what it is, it's good to invite him along and invite him to be a part of what you're about. But the, another thing is he does want to help you. And we see him uh, there helping these people to get off on the right foot. Now, sometimes when I'm conducting a marriage ceremony, I refer to this passage with reference to the wine. In this couple's case, as we've seen, a great calamity was just about to occur. 
They're just about to run out of wine. And if that had happened, somebody was going to be embarrassed. We don't know if it was because of poor planning or if it's because they just didn't uh, estimate properly as far as who was going to be coming or if the people that were there just drank a whole lot or what was going on there. But for some reason, the wine was almost gone. Uh, the word that's used there, uh, let's see, I'm going to find uh, the passage where she says, where Mary tells Jesus, they have no wine. That word is translated here, have no. Uh, in other versions, it says, and when they were wanting wine. And it doesn't mean craving it or thinking, I've got to have a drink, you know. Uh, that doesn't, it's not what that's what's about. It means lacking. And the word that's translated here of, uh, of they're about to run out is also the same word that's used where uh, it, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's translated fallen short there. So it means to be in need, to not have enough, to lack, to uh, not have to have sufficiency. And they were just about to run out and it was going to be embarrassing. And so Mary says, they're running out of wine. And then Jesus says, and the way that it should be literally translated is, what does that have to do with you and me? That's the way that it is it's translated. What, why, why are you bringing this up? Uh, my time has not yet come. And then she just tells the servants, you just do what he says to do. Uh, and he responded. But the thing is, is that God shows here, he answers, he responds to intercession. Whenever we see a need in somebody else's life and we pray about it, God responds. He hears. And so here they are, they're about to run out. And, uh, I, but the thing is, is this wine is, can be symbolic of our lives as a whole. And in marriage, when a young couple comes together, many times I'll talk about how their love for each other, it's right now it's a romantic love. And it's like fresh wine. And many times we will have watched that couple and we will have seen how much in love they are with each other. And we'll just rejoice with them that they are going to uh, commit to going through life together. And we're just so happy for them. But then I, I, I want to make sure that they know that this can fade. That one of these mornings, I'll, I'll tell them, you may wake up and all the romance is gone. And what you have left is just like water. It's plain and tasteless, very useful, but just not a lot of joy to it, you know. And there are a lot of people that whenever that happens, they think, oh, we don't love each other anymore. And they get a divorce. But it's because the thing is, they bought into the fact that the only kind of love is romantic love. And the thing is, romantic love 
depends on a whole lot of things. It depends on how much sleep you got the night before. It depends on uh, uh, just whether you're ill or not. It depends on a lot of different things that have nothing to do uh, with the long run or the long term. But uh, in external circumstances can cause romantic love to just fly out the window. And when that happens, rejoice, because then you can start getting to start to work on real love, the deep abiding love that God has whenever people stay together, no matter what, they face life as a team, no matter what, and they get through stuff. And then they find out romantic love can come and it can go. But we still love each other and we love each other deeply. And the thing is, is that uh, it's just like, and I'll tell them that whenever you wake up and you find that it's just flat like water, do what they did here in this passage. Take your water to Jesus and he can take that water and make something out of it that's much, much better than anything that you've ever experienced in the past. Now, this doesn't just apply to love and romantic love. The Lord can take whatever is water in your life. It may be your career. It may be just where you are in life right now. You may just be feeling like things are just flat and there's no life to them. And, and, and it's just dull. And the thing is, I encourage you, you still have that water. And that water has great promise. Take whatever your water is to the Lord and then do what he says. And it will be much better than what you had before. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.